This is getting out of hand. Now there are two of them. Where's your innovation, huh? Sequels suck. Do the same thing. Everyone's happy. It's all about money, boys! Here we go again. Expect a big ping, brother. My whole body's a weapon. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Franchise Fatigue. This is a show where we explore film series one movie at a time. I'm your host, James Hamrick, and as always, I am joined with my co-host, Gabe Green. What's going on? Hey, I am doing very, very well. Um, just very, very pumped about a lot of things. Not particularly this movie, but a lot <laughs> of other things happening right now. Um, so today we're going to be completing the Terminator series with Terminator Dark Fate. But honestly, all I want to talk about right now is the Snyder Cut's happening, dude. Yeah. Um, and we will be having a big meetup. Um me, you, and a bunch of other friends who we met back in 2016, I think, maybe 2017, defending, uh, you know, Man of Steel and BVS. Those were those were crazy times. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's so funny. Like I like BVS, you know, it was the at least two years that it's just kind of a common thing in my in my day. I was just like, oh, time to go on Facebook and defend this movie. And, and then The Last Jedi happened. And yeah, it's and, just been our lives. And I think The Last Jedi has been easier because I get to smugly point to, like, critics and, and you know, uh, people with opinions that can be taken seriously with Snyder. But then, but then you get to be the underdog in the Snyder, cut, the Snyder fight. You get to be which, the underdog. Which I thought I loved. And, and I remember you loving. shake your fist at the man. I remember loving that. And I remember being like, oh, all these people, nobody gets it. And I, I thought it was fun. And so the with the Snyder cut, it's all like Snyder's all the rage again. And so I had it like basically all day yesterday defending it. And I the by the end of it, it was a I'm I'm getting too old for this moment. Uh, I I couldn't. I, it was exhausting. Like these, I I can't with some of these criticisms. This is just. And th uh, this is very important for this podcast because if you haven't been around for the last you know, four or five years. That's how this podcast came to be. Our very first episode was Man of Steel. It was, it was under, it used to be underrated. We talked about films we thought were underrated. And the very first episode was Man of Steel. And then episode five, I think, was BVS. Um, and then we had our episode over uh, the uh, 2017 cut. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I want to, I do want to kind of listen to that. I, because I'm going to watch the, uh, the, uh, We'll talk, about, uh, we'll, just, we'll talk about all this later, but just, yeah, just I can't wait to see. And also another really awesome piece of news, uh, possibly even bigger than the Snyder Cut, is that after a, roughly, I think, I'm pretty sure that the first time I we had a phone call to kind of feel each other out, I mentioned, I'm pretty sure I mentioned Harry Potter and how it was awesome and you should read it. And after, so after four or five years of consistent nagging, James has finally finished the series. And so now it is going to be teed up to talk about that after um, we catch up with Star Wars and the MCU, uh, you know, Mandalorian, the WandaVision and whatnot. After we catch up with that, we're going to be going over to Harry Potter. And I am almost as giddy about that as I am about the Snyder Cut because I love those. I love the books, love the movies. And I think it's going to be it's a really good. It's a really good series to talk about, just like comparing a franchise and, you know, going chapter by chapter and seeing how different directors did, you know, did different things for the series and how the, the series expands. It's got, there's just so much to talk about as far as the things we like to cover. So yeah, it's I, I'm excited because it's got so many layers. Like one hand because of like director. Well, at, at first you've got 
you know, two from the same director, but then it's a different one and then a different one. And like, you're kind of seeing all of these different visions, but then in the latter half, you've got a singular vision. And so you, you kind of see the series evolve, like change hands from like a, almost a mission impossible style, kind of what they're doing with Christopher McQuarrie, uh, where it's like, hmm. it bounced from director to director until it found like stable hands. Uh, and then on top of that, there's, you know, comparing it as adaptations, which we can both do now because I finished this book series and, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. So enough about that. Let's move into our actually before we move into our talk on um, dark uh, dark. I keep wanting to say dark phoenix, dark fate, different movie. Um, before we talk about that, I want to ask you guys uh, to please uh, head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review and subscribe while you're at it. It'd be very helpful and we'd be very much appreciative. And uh, like us on Facebook to keep up to date with all the latest episodes and give feedback that will end up on the show. And uh, speaking of said feedback, I asked on Facebook and Twitter what our listeners thought about Dark Fate. And on Facebook, Jeff said, I never finished it. I couldn't help but think how the new antagonist was inferior to the T-1000. Uh, but that's not necessarily the reason I didn't finish it. It just didn't feel very interesting. Or I, I just didn't find it very interesting. Front of the show, Byron said, uh, while it has some of the franchise's best action, it fails in its storytelling. Instead of telling an interesting story, such as perhaps a backstory it mentions of Sarah Connor hunting down rogue Terminators after her son's death and trying to find out who is helping her, all the while looking for meaning in her own life, we get a Diet Coke version of T1 and, excuse me, T1 and T2 with reskinned heroes and enemies. Overall, I was very disappointed. And still feel that T3 concluded the story of John and Sarah Connor in a much more fulfilling manner. Uh, I kind of agree with that last part, actually. <laughs> uh, then over on Twitter, Kevin the Critic at Kevin underscore the Critic said, I wasn't a fan. I thought the opening was a great emotional gut punch, but afterwards it felt to me like they just repeated beats from the first two films again. I think you mean they repeated beats from basically the series oh. again, <laughs> except for Salvation. Uh, Dr. K at Dr. K PhD or underscore PhD said, uh, I really didn't like how it pissed on the ending of T2 and it just recycled everything we saw in the last few films and brought nothing really new to the franchise. Arguably, Arnold didn't really need to be in it either, and I honestly prefer Genesis. I agree with the criticisms, but disagree with that last part. <laughs> yeah. Uh, MC Myers at, at Film Objective said, I stopped watching after 40 minutes. I may revisit someday, but why would you unwrite the whole series if you're just going to do the same thing with the, with a new character? I was completely unimpressed by the sassy series references and cameos. I just wanted something exciting and new. I don't ever remember a comment before someone saying they didn't finish it. And now we have two here on this film. Um, yeah. So diving into the behind the scenes story of Dark Fate. So short, shortly after Genesis' release, Genesis is um, <laughs> genocide. What's, 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 the, what's the possessive <laughs> for that? Uh, shortly after that film's release. Genesis. Yeah. Uh, and the very, rather disastrous. The rather disastrous uh, box office and critical reception, the planned trilogy that film was supposed to kick off was canceled. Uh, but David Ellison of Skydance, who had produced Genesis, was still wanting to make more movies in the series. So he approached David Miller about directing a Terminator film while he was uh, finishing up on Deadpool. They wanted to do it after Deadpool 2, but then uh, Miller left Deadpool 2 due to creative differences with uh, Ryan Reynolds. He jumped over to the Terminator series. Um, so they, they decided to make this film a direct sequel to Judgment Day and discount all the previous sequels. Um, 
This happened like right around the same time that that Halloween was doing the same thing. It's all the rage. And also both films were just like carbon copies of the previous films as well. So did you, you saw that, right? Uh, is the Halloween, is that the... The 2018 David Gordon Green. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Not, not a big fan. Uh, Miller then went and uh, was able to, he went and talked to James Cameron and was able to convince him to come on as a producer to help guide the film. This would be the first time he had any active involvement in the series since T2. And the the story this the way they came up with the plot of this film is really interesting. So first they gathered together a bunch of celebrated sci-fi and fantasy authors to brainstorm ideas for what they could do with a sequel. You have people like Joe Abercrombie, Warren Ellis, Neil Asher, Greg Bear, and Neil Stevenson. I'm only familiar with a couple of those guys. Really, Greg Bear uh, wrote some great Halo novels. That's the only name that is familiar to me. And they came up with a bunch of concepts. And then they went and organized something of a writer's room to help come up with a story. They brought in uh, David S. Goyer. He's one of the biggest writers in Hollywood. His name is everywhere. He wrote the Dark Knight trilogy, Man of Steel and BVS, the Blade trilogy. You name it. He, you know, he's a lot of great stuff, a lot of terrible <laughs> stuff. So they, there's uh, David S. Goyer, Goyer's partner, Justin Rhodes. And then there was Josh Friedman, the creator of the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Um, He'd been working with Cameron on Avatar 2. He wrote, he, he co-wrote that movie. Then there was a Charles H. Elgy. Uh, he's primarily a TV writer and producer. So they together came up with a story, and uh, David S. Goyer wrote the first draft of the script that they came up with, and then he left and went to work on other projects. He's like, as I said, he's on everything. And then Billy Ray came on uh, to rewrite with Miller. Uh, Ray took care of all the dramatic stuff, and Miller took care of all the action scenes. Um, he's had a very productive career. Um, some recent films would be like Captain Phillips, Gemini Man, Overlord, and Richard Jewell. Ultimately, there are six credited writers on this movie. So David S. Goyer, his partner Justin Rhodes, and Billy Ray got screenplay credits. And then Cameron, LG, and Friedman got story by credits. Um, so that's a really weird process to come up with a script of a movie. Yeah, it, it really doesn't feel it, though. It doesn't feel like there were a lot of cooks in the kitchen because of how straightforward it is i think you feel it in how many characters there are oh uh, yeah i can see that you've got a term oh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> i actually have a whole point to make about that all right uh, so for the cast uh linda hamilton returned as sarah connor this is the first time she's appeared in this series uh so I've, there was additional dialogue recorded for salvation but this is the first time she's appeared since t2 um it took her six weeks to actually decide if she was gonna take on the role Cameron sent her an email asking her to do it, and apparently he gave her a long list of reasons why she both should and shouldn't do it. Uh-huh. Uh, and she it, she said, uh, I didn't want it to look like a shameless money grab. I am living this quiet, lovely life that doesn't involve being a celebrity. And you really have to think, do I really want to trade that in again for another 15 minutes? Arnold Schwarzenegger also returned as uh, the T-800, this time named Carl. Uh, <laughs> this is also the first time where he appears as... The, the Terminator, not, you know, not counting Salvation, which is just a CGI double where he appears, but he isn't uh, receiving top billing. Um, Mackenzie Davis uh, was cast as Grace, an enhanced super soldier from 2042. Uh, Natalie Reyes as Danny Ramos. Gabriel Luna as uh, Gabriel slash Rev9. Uh, I read that and I thought, I, I, I read Diego Luna at first. I'm like, surely not. I love Diego Luna. And this guy was... Not very memorable to me, but no, different actor. 
um, Diego Bonita as uh, Diego Ramos, Danny's brother, Tristan Ulag as Felipe Gandal, uh, Danny's uncle, Alicia Borrechero as uh, as Alicia, Carl's wife, Tom Hopper as William Hartle, uh, he's a commander in the resistance, and then Edward Furlong uh, as a, a visual reference for young John Connor. He actually he they had a, a child actor. Um, Jude Colley is his name, who stood in for John Connor, and he kind of watched and did the facial mocap for it. Apparently, there's an entire scene of dialogue between he and Sarah Connor, but that was that was cut because they weren't happy with the way the CGI looked with when the mouths move. Um, so it was a, a mostly dialogueless little cameo. Take note, Disney. <laughs> also, uh, Earl. Uh, Bowen? How did we pronounce that? The actor for Dr. Earl Sil- Bowen? Bowen. Earl Bowen. Uh, we get the little archival footage from Terminator 2 Judgment Day. So filming began in Spain in the summer of 2018. Uh, they used Spain to stand in for Mexico and uh, Southwest America uh, due to fear of cartel violence. They, they initially planned to film in, in uh, Mexico, but that got called off. Fil- the, the studio filming was done in Budapest, Hungary. Uh, Ken Song, who had shot Deadpool with Miller, served as the DP. So when they initially started filming, they did it in a way that they could cut it down to PG-13 if necessary. Um, but during filming, they decided just to drop that and committed to making it R, which is the first time the series has been that uh, since Rise of the Machines, which felt very PG-13. <laughs> Except for the whole arm through the, the torso thing. And so Cameron was very busy on Avatar 2, so he wasn't he wasn't around on set, despite having been very involved in the Inception. However, uh, allegedly he was doing rewrites uh, all throughout filming, and then he would send them to Miller. Um, so he was he was he was he did a lot on it. And so there were a lot of stories uh, about conflicts uh, between uh, Miller and Cameron. Apparently, they had a lot of disagreements and fights over the course of production. After the film came out, Miller said that he probably wouldn't work with Cameron again. Although they they both. They both insist that it was all professional, that there's no remaining ill, Ill will. Um, they say they're still friends. Uh, a camera quote is, uh, the blood is still being scrubbed off the walls from those creative battles. This is a film that was forged in fire, but that's the creative process, right? Um, then for Miller, he said, I can, when he was asked uh, as to whether he would work with Cameron again, he said, I can say no, but it has nothing to do with whatever trauma I have from the experience. It's more that I just don't want to be in a situation again where I don't have the control to do what I think is right. Um, and from everything I hear, uh, both Cameron and Miller seem to be very kind of passionate, bullheaded people when it comes to um, you know what they what they want their story to be. Obviously, Miller you know left uh, the Deadpool series because you know he wanted to go one way and uh, Ryan Reynolds wanted to go the other way, and of course uh, Reynolds won that fight. And they seem to just be like they both have very very strong opinions and they just kind of constantly clashed over the course of production. I thought it was funny, like, the ex- the couple examples they give of the things they they fought about were weird because they feel like such little things. Like, one thing was whether or not the, fu- the future human resistance that sends uh, Grace back, like, whether or not they're winning or they're losing. And, like, and the funny thing is, like, they had such a fight over that, but I don't think it ever comes up in the film. Like, we're never even told what the, the context of the future is. Like, when we actually, when we actually see it, it's just like, oh, there's a war, and then it's all shuffled to the side. It's just... That's what I was thinking, because, yeah, I was really, like, uh, there was a quote from, like, the quote from Miller where he was talking about, um, 
he was saying like Cameron thought that there was more dra- uh, drama if the humans were winning and and he thought there was more drama if they were losing and and then you watch the movie and you're like listen it's cl- neither is clear here and you could literally convince me either way with the deleted scene like if if a scene after what we saw was like well that was a rough battle but at least we're winning this war I'd be like okay like just cuz you don't get a any idea of how how bad things are or or, or aren't in that yeah uh, for the film's post-production, there was a lot of re-editing and putting scenes here and there and cutting scenes and reshaping scenes and re-editing. And like I said, the this, the opening scene was initially a lot longer and there was a full conversation between John and Sarah. And they also toyed with the idea of putting that scene uh, a little bit after uh, Grace's flashback whenever they're first meeting Sarah uh yeah it was it was very much the shape of the movie basically came to be in the edit um uh for the film's score um tom holkenberg uh, aka junkie xl uh, he, he was still who's... junkie xl at the time right like i feel like that's a recent shift yeah i believe so because i want to say he started he wanted to start going by his his actual name last year hmm. i'm pretty sure um but he he did the score um, after collaborating with Miller on a, on Deadpool. Uh, he recreated Fidel's original Terminator theme while also intentionally introducing a lot of like Latino elements to try to reflect uh, the protagonist. Apparently, he like he used a bunch like fifteen instruments and incorporated a lot of anvil uh, like clanging into the score, and so he, he wanted it to be familiar to the series but sound a lot more aggressive. For the film's release, uh, it was, this is funny, it was released in the UK on October 23rd uh, and November 1st, uh, both 2019, by Paramount Pictures in North America, by Tencent Pictures in China, and 20th Century Fox uh, in all regions outside of America and China. Yeah, there's a a lot of production companies involved in this one. Um, so So I saw this in theaters I rewatched the first two films leading up to it, and I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it pretty well as an action film. I had a, a very good time with it. I had like larger philosophical issues with some of the things they did, particularly with what, what happened to John Connor. But I had a good time with it. I liked it, and I ranked it as the, and I you know put it as the, the third best in the series after the first two. I get a feeling that your first experience with this film wasn't nearly as uh, positive as mine, James. So uh, why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, I, I don't. I think so. I'm I'm not nearly as good at like breaking down the action choreography in a scene. Like I I can often like recognize when it's great and when it's not, but I don't know because this movie was so familiar and like uninspired to me. I I could. I could see that the action was cool, but I was like, I, I'm not, I'm not so invested in the action to like excuse the stuff that I'm not really into. And so I just kind of had a, I had a decent enough time. I just, I don't know. I, yeah, it wasn't a great first viewing and I don't know, a lot of my, re- we'll get into a lot of the reasons of the bulk review, but like by the end, I also went in knowing like this is, everybody seems to be indicating this is the definitive third best in the series. There's not really a lot of room for wiggle room there. 
Uh, and so I went in with some level of like, like you know, after the last three movies, I, I, all right, let's get let's get a really good one. And it ended, and I was like, I, I don't <laughs> know, I, I'm not, I'm not super happy with it. So yeah, so I, I still enjoy it, but it did it did definitely lower in my esteem on the second viewing. Um, so there are a lot of positives and there are a lot of issues with this film. Um, let's just kind of get into the big philosophical problem that I have with this movie. Um, and that is they, the, what the, the way they treat John Connor, like the movie opens and aren't, you know, a beautifully animated young Arnie walks up and shoots him in the face. <laughs> and then we go in, then the movie begins and we have, a completely generic Terminator movie again. And I, I think uh, there should be the freedom if they choose, like, we want to kill John Connor and take this off in a different direction. I think you know, they should have the artistic freedom to do that. But a choice like that, I believe, comes with an enormous amount of responsibility. And someone may call me hypocritical for, you know, not... Like, from like, my view of The Last Jedi, where I'm completely okay with what they did to Luke Skywalker... But I think there are some key differences there, like like in that case, you know, it's a it's a redemption arc. He falls, he's redeemed, and he ends as a legend. Like it's reaffirmation of everything he was. It's not just it's. Whereas here, and this it, it also just, comes with a legitimate point. Like it's there's mm, th- there's a it's it's not like oh, I don't know what to do with him. Let's not like it dedicates everything to him, and and this feels inconsequential. Like oh, I don't know what to what to do with john so let's just yes like solely on the treatment of john connor like it just it consigns him to irrelevant it blows him away and he does not matter never did forget him so like that's kind of disrespectful on his face and then the second question is okay like i'm a little like i'm I'm a little hurt by that but i'm willing to see what you're going to do with it like do you have an interesting story to tell us and they tell us the story of jane connor Uh uh-huh yeah, she's a girl. It, it, like it's 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 the same story. A uh, you know a human is sent back in time to protect a person who's who's going to be instrumental in saving the future you know in the world from uh, you know from a future war after an apocalypse. And uh you know a, a shape shifting machine is also sent back to kill him. Or it doesn't have to be shape shifting. You know, a machine is sent back to kill him. So you have you know one to protect, one to hunt. And they have a road trip where there's a lot of fighting and one's chasing the other and a lot of close escapes until they finally kill uh, kill the uh, Terminator in uh, an industrial center. Hey, wait, I've seen this one before. Yeah, it's, it feels familiar. So, so not only do they kind of spit on the legacy of the series, and they, they wouldn't agree with that. They would say they, they would... They, I think they thought they were doing something very respectful, you know, because it is James Cameron, you know, Linda Hamilton's back. Like, they seem to think they're doing something respectful, but it kind of is spending on the series. Like, we just blow them away and bring in the new John Connor. Like, they literally call her the new, the new John Connor. <laughs> um, but so it's like, it's disrespectful on its face. And then on top of that, the kind of the kind of arrogance that happens when you come in and say we're the true sequel. You can forget about all those you know bad sequels. We're the good one. Just pay attention to us. And you do the same thing that all those sequels did. <laughs> That's what Halloween did, and I, I, it irritates me to no end about that movie. And the same thing here. Like it just does all the same things. So it, it ha- they have nothing to say. 
Um, it almost it almost feels like Miller and Cameron like only saw those sequels maybe once or, or like haven't paid attention to the series since um since T2 because like the things they talk about like we're doing this instead like yeah we already saw that in this sequel like they they, they talk like they're doing their this is an original twist and but it's it's not and it's not even an original twist by the standard of the first two movies is this it? <laughs> even if you're only counting those movies it's still the same thing over again it's bizarre it's, it's funny there was a a quote from miller when he he was talking about part of the reasoning for why they did what they did with John. <laughs> he said, you can't have John be a 36-year-old accountant somewhere. And really, when you think about it, he could be sort of a pathetic figure as a man who had missed his moment in history and was relegated to this banal, ordinary existence. You know what? That, that would be a sounds, very interesting story. I was about to say, that sounds interesting. It's kind of That's, a hook-like or something. You know, he's he missed his destiny. He has to go and reclaim it as this, you know, mediocre middle-aged dude and it would be really cool because at that point we would you know at this point we've had the sarah connor chronicles we've had all of these things are in in terminator 3 with him not wanting it so his character has largely been defined by this this pressure that he's he seemingly doesn't want you know he wants to run away from it he wants to find a way you know in sarah connor chronicles uh it's all about like we've got to stop this now so i don't have to become this thing and so for for them like that that could have been a cool idea to have the new arc have it you know that all happens and then he finds himself like oh well now what do i do <laughs> you know like i if i'm not going to be this thing and i'm not going to be this leader like my entire life has been defined by this thing i will potentially be and then, i don't know it's getting off track because that's obviously not what this movie is about. But I read that quote and I'm like, you got an idea there. Like you just gave a real idea for a real character and real themes. And uh. <laughs> yeah. Um. So there's that issue. The just the issue of not only is it majorly redundant, but to add insult to injury, it undermines all the previous films because the whole series has been, you know, it's either pointing to John Connor or about John Connor. And you're just saying like, all of that's irrelevant. Like, sure. I guess you could say they did save the world for, you know, what, 20 years from like 19, the nineties to, to 20 or 30 years. Like they bought 20 or 30 years of not blowing up, but we're still going to blow up and there's still going to be robots. And it's like, it's the same future. So not only did he not save the world, uh, it's like he's he's like he not only did he not save the world in the past, he's not going to save the world in the future. So just forget about that, dude, because we have someone better. And why is she better? Just trust us because she's the one and uh, she's the new John Connor. <laughs> um, and like, so, you know, trying to not thinking about this other idea that I've become attached to after reading the quote, but just even thinking about the the decision they made here. I still think there's interesting things you could do there where you could be like, Listen, like we were so fixated on John Connor, like we we refuse to believe that there is a reality in which we can win where he's not there, and like have the the general idea be that regardless of of who it is, somebody is going to rise up. Humanity will offer, like humanity will find a leader in itself. But that 
feels so halfway baked into what this movie is. And I think it could be a cool idea. Like I said, it, it it's subversion, but subversion that I could, if the execution was done right, enjoy where, where it is. It's kind of like, listen, yeah, John Connor died and the resistance still found a way to survive because it, it ended up being bigger than just John Connor. But really it's, it, it's just like, uh, it, it's not made, it's stated as like a, a thematic point. It feels just like, like a, a factual point made in passing. Like, oh yeah, he died, but yeah, there's this other person. Anyways, so here we go. We're moving on. And, and in fairness, they do offer a very interesting thread. Sadly, it's the it's the B story to the you know the A plot being the term this classic Terminator retread. But there is the B plot of Sarah Connor as you know a lost soul. You know, she lost her purpose. Her son was killed. The thing you know the, the thing she devoted her entire life to and became. You know this this crazed monster almost by you know in in um in T two you know that they they she thought she saved the world but then her son was taken away from her so she's just living this life of bitterness and loneliness and and this never ending but rather pointless fight on her own so like you know she had her 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 identity her purpose and identity taken away from her and then there's also this Carl who. Mm. who also who lost you know lost his purpose as a terminator and then you know like he found his purpose through having a family it's like sarah connor lost her purpose when she lost her family and this this machine finds identity and humanity and purpose you know through his own family like they're they're interesting that's an interesting story but it is very much relegated to a subplot and is never really dramatically paid off it's just okay you know i'm it's just more just like it's only played off as you know. I forgive you for killing my son, or something of the something along those lines. But the actual like thematic idea of you know this you know these two lost people searching for purpose and an identity like that is never resolved. And I might have actually made that up just watching it, but because it's it's so little is there. But like there's there's that interesting idea coming out of the death of John Connor, but at best it's a it's like a third tier subplot. Yeah, and. I feel like you you in a different movie like and this is again like very very much just me kind of casually tossing aside what this movie ultimately was trying to be but because of the fact that this is something that is present in the movie like that's that's what I would have rather have seen it's like a movie basically co-led by by just them mm-hmm. uh and finding some way really like by the end of this movie i just kind of wanted an old man carl movie like i i have a lot of positive things to say about him when we get to his character yeah we're kind of on a roll here so i i i, I think a better version of this film like like they wanted to do a terminator retread so we're respecting that i think a better version of this would be to cut grace and have sarah be the one who saves old sarah she saves um danny and they go on their road trip chased by Gabriel Luna and meet up and then meet up with um Carl earlier on the film and it be about you know their you know their interactions together while also on this you know on this chase road trip movie like so you you're keeping the general structure and themes of the film but I feel like focusing it on the most interesting thing was like as, I, I I I think McKinsey McKinsey Davis is really good in this movie but the character has no dramatic uh, weight of its own 
it's just she's like she's just there as a warrior. She's really good, like she's fantastic, but like trying to think about like, what is her arc, what is her journey, what what is her emotional story? There really isn't one. So like she's fairly expendable in my mind. You just you, all you need is a, a, a protector figure. So I think Sarah could have very easily subbed in there because that's what she becomes halfway through the movie anyway. Yeah, and so uh, Miller actually didn't like what they end up doing with Grace himself. Uh, he had a different ending in mind, but Cameron uh, liked this idea of Danny sending her back and, and you know, like preserving her, kind of very similar to, you know, John and Kyle. Um, but Miller didn't like it because the, what the way he saw it is, you know, we're kind of presented with Danny meeting Grace and basically adopting her and like taking her in as, as, as in some sort of like mother daughter dynamic. And so to him, it's like it it feels weird that you find this person as a child, and then you basically raise her to send her back to save you. It like there's. There's some level of crossover. Or, or the, like, it's the John Connor Kyle story. It's literally it, it is, but like I, there's, you're you're at least one level removed in that because it's you know we're sending him back to, to save my mom. Uh, ultimately, it's because we need to save John, but you kind of you can kind of cushion, it with that. But for this, it it literally is basically like Danny sending back this daughter figure knowing full like i'm sending you back so that you can die so that i can live uh it just it like it didn't sit well with miller <laughs> and I, I didn't even really give it two thoughts until he mentioned it but i'm like eh, that is kind of weird yeah um so we've been bashing on the film i actually i do enjoy it i i, I want to move over to some of the things that i do like um i think like the, the thing that really makes this film work for me i think for a lot of people is i think it's 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 much tighter and more focused than any any um film in the series has been since the second one. Like it has it, it feels like it has a story, it has momentum, it's going somewhere. There are a couple lulls, but after so many sequels, I just feel kind of aimless and and unsure of themselves. I think Miller is a very competent director and storyteller, so he keeps everything moving, like he keeps it even though I think the script is very thin, he keeps it focused on character. Um, and I think like when when the action comes and it comes a lot, I think he's very good at that. Um, mostly, I have one major problem with his direction as him, him as an action director, and that is he has a bizarre love affair with CGI body doubles. <laughs> there are so many, like so many shots. Like this could totally have been a stuntman on wires. Like there's no reason this couldn't have been shot that way. I think he just wants to do these like really smooth long takes with intricate camera movements, and so so often he'll just sub in a you know character with a CGI double, and it's really apparent. And it's he shoots himself in the foot because he often uses it like with slow motion as well. And it, I I was not a fan of the inordinate amount of uh of slow mo in this. Yeah, that said, I think the action is very tight and very well. Design that like you can tell just watching that he that he spent a lot of time in previous constructing them because there's no there's no dead air like every movement leads into the next one they're really I think they're really just um they feel dangerous in a way that the series hasn't for a while um the characters they don't feel like they're on top at all 
Um, even Grace, you know, who's a super powered character, always kind of feels one step behind. And and the, I, I love the Terminator they created. Um, so I think the action sequences are very tight. They're very intricate. They're well they're well shot. They they they're, they're intense and they they, they just they, they move very well. I mean, they, they don't they don't have a scrap on on uh, Cameron's direction. I think I think he's a little bland visually. I, okay, did you notice how empty the backgrounds felt in so many of these scenes? Like. The sky is this just flat, pale blue. The background is just bare desert. The roads are empty. Like every shot is just the character in the foreground and nothing in the background or just like a bare desert landscape. It's, it's or just like a solid color. Like he doesn't he he like the, all the stuff that happening in the foreground is very intricate and well considered and, and well done. But just there's no depth to it. Like I feel like. The, the, like the other uh, the other um side of the coin is like Michael Bay where he'll have action in the foreground this flaming explosion in the in the midground and then this like truck barreling the other way in the background like there's like three or four layers of movement but you know where to look you know to look at the foreground but there's just these various layers of movement and action that just make the shots pop and they're so cool to look at and Cameron does a lot of that too with these sequences that they, they they feel like there's some depth to it and miller's direction and it's the same with that i think his deadpool action is he's so focused on the foreground and making that good and it is but it just the background looks kind of bland and almost green screen like even scenes that i'm sure weren't shot on green screen they're so empty they feel like they were shot on the green screen yeah that last part is definitely what i felt the most there were a moment like whenever Sarah shows up and she blasts him and they're on the road, the, the feeling I got, I think like I, I even thought this in my head. I was like, I, I know they're probably on location, but for some reason it feels like we're in a set surrounded by CGI extensions. And I, I don't know. I don't know. Like I couldn't say, and it's because of X, Y, or Z. It's just, it felt very much like we've, we've got this area that we've, kind of dressed up and we got nice and everything else because of the lack of interaction because of the lack of anything going on in the back like it just it felt i mean like you said it just kind of felt empty and so to me even if it's not what it was it gave gave the illusion of a of a set and i think another reason for that is the lighting um it's very brightly lit it's it, there's there's no there's no contrast to any of it. So it, it just, it doesn't, there's not a lot of um just visual, there's nothing visually going on with the lighting to make it like striking. There's another thing that Cameron was so good at, it was often like very harsh, high contrast lighting makes the character stand out. This is pretty flatly lit, very brightly lit. And I think that- Don't you miss the, like the neo-noir look of the original and all like the blue floodlights of two? Yeah. But I'm thinking, yeah. I was thinking back to like a, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, the way Janusz Kaminski shot that, where like it kind of there's like this weird like halo around everyone because the lighting was so bright, it looked like every, it every set looked almost like a green screen because the characters were so like harshly lit, they had like halos around them, so they looked separate from the background. You get a bit of that here, I think, adding to that CGI feel, and it also doesn't help that I think every explosion, every every explosion that happens, he like layers on a layer of CGI over it that just it's. I said I liked I like the action and I really do, <laughs> but there, I think like the, what I'm doing now is se is why separating why I think his legitimately good action 
is nowhere near the level of like Cameron's all-time great action. Like, like I think he could have with a couple you know, differences, but instead we get what is a very engaging action movie instead of so like, so like there's nothing really memorable about like long-term memorable about it, despite being very engaging in the moment. I guess that's what I'm saying in many, many more words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, th- I think the action makes it very uh, exciting, like, particularly that, that, I think that first scene in the factory, like just how tightly choreographed it is and how I think it's very just creative, like the amount of beats and like movements and things that happen, like to where where like she's like going at it with a sledgehammer, she's like beating his head to the ground, his head absorbs into the sledgehammer, she lifts him up, they, they, they like throw him over onto a onto something and they drop drop the uh motor on top of him. Like the just the things that happen one after another just keep it very intense. It's just a lot of it's I'm, I, I normally like to talk about it right directly afterwards when it's fresh. It's been like 11 days since I saw it. We got, we, this episode got uh, delayed. So I'm kind of like, I I remember writing down all these examples, but now I'm kind of blanking <laughs> as to specifics. Like, so yeah, I, I remember, I remember very much enjoying the action, <laughs> even though I'm kind of blanking right now. Yeah. I, I remember that, that kind of, um, not where, how, what, that little the factory fight scene being like having several moments from like oh that was a cool idea like that was that was pretty neat um i'm not as big of a fan of this new terminator uh okay how how's how would it rank for you in all of the them sent all the creature the uh and all the design since uh the t1000 how would it rank for you oh uh... Maybe just above dumb John Connor. Dumb John, really? Hmm. I'm a big fan of this. I I I think the, the idea of having like having the liquid metal on top of it so it can separate into two is really cool. I think it's 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 put to great use because you know since we have Grace who is essentially our own Terminator, it's put to great use to to you know to up the threat level. Um, and I like I like what the way they work together. I really like the metal effect. Um, the black, there's the black oozy metal. I like how it looks. I think it's very well, uh, animated. I like. I think the, uh, the the skeleton design, you know, it's much sleeker and more modern. But they they keep the classic skull face, which I think was a problem with a lot of uh, a lot of the other the other Dumb John Connor, yeah, Dumb John Connor and uh, Christina Loken's one. Um, and I just I I think uh, I thought Gabriel Luna was really good. Um. He uh, he you know he's much more personable I think but still he, he there is just that little bit of vacancy in his eyes that's kind of that's I think you know that creep factor um he you know, just that, that sense of you know that that the quiet determination I think while also being more able to be more uh, believably able to interact as human than a lot of the previous ones so I, I I'm. I'm a big fan of this. You know, it's, it's it's definitely below the first two Terminators, but I think it's the first time they able to, they were able to do something actually like genuinely impressive for me since you know T2. Yeah, I I don't know. To me, I, I wasn't really a big fan of like the the separating thing, and and his so he's definitely a a good step above all the the various uh, Terminators we get in the Sarah Connor Chronicles. But he kind of still has the the issue that I have, which is 
it, I mean, it's hard to put into words. Like, it's hard to explain why I'm like, listen, Robert Patrick is just incredible. And this guy is, I don't know, he does nothing for me. There's like something almost imperceptible. But it feels like there's the first two. And then there's just a series of people who are like, I'm going to kind of be somewhat robotic, somewhat human. I don't know. I, I just, I didn't find him super threatening. And, and I thought the, like, the effects were kind of cool, but I I kind of, in the, with this idea of like the liquid coming back on the metal frame, like I thought that visual was, I mean, kind of cooler to me in, in Terminator 3, like when she's crawling and it's kind of trying to, the, the liquid's trying to crawl its way back and form the face back on the the skull. Um, and I mean, I, I also, I weirdly liked uh, Loken's, take on like that very weird robotic like sleeked back hair look like it felt like a a style and a design and this just felt like angry guy <laughs> so opposite there <laughs> <laughs> but i mean i mean it, i'm not i don't hate either and i don't love either but i just i like that there is something striking and something to put your finger on with with someone like her and for him his his presence just never felt super threatening and and the the effects of the liquid thing like I'm like that that's fine enough but it still doesn't look great to me. Well, boo on you. <laughs> um, let's just move into some of the characters. Um, and I think ultimately the failure. Okay, I think I think ultimately the thing that keeps this movie from soaring or at least even being really good is the the fact that the main character Danny uh, doesn't really work all that well for me. I think um uh Natalia Reyes the actress, I think she's very good. And I think like she'll be very good in other movies, but the character is so just undefined and that you know the drama doesn't te- register all that much despite her, you know, she, I think she, you know, she knocks every scene out of the park. But also, she's supposed to grow into this really badass warrior by the end. And, like she gives like several epic speeches. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna stand and we're gonna fight. And she's just an adorable child. She looks so sweet and so cute. And I don't believe a bit of it. And then that's not just me being sexist. It's like no, she's standing beside you know. Um, so that's not just you not just being sexist. <laughs> she's standing beside Linda Hamilton. And Mackenzie Davis, two people that I believe could kill me <laughs> and who are like, you know, terrifying forces of nature. Uh, and it's like they they have the thing necessary to sell that, you know, they, like you gave those speeches to either of them. They would knock it out of the park. It's just her. She's just too sweet. And, and it just it feels so much like acting when she's trying to be tough. Um, and I feel bad for her because I think she is just, like legitimately good in the dramatic scenes or just being, you know, sweet. <laughs> It's weird. I had a thought, like towards the end of the movie, or like, I've I've liked her performance this whole time. So why don't I like the character? Like I'm I'm aware that she all of her deliveries have been pretty solid. Uh, like the the scenes where it really demands some emotion from her, she's really been able to deliver. But I am just so uninvested and in, in the character, and like and not not really buying into which I guess is what you're saying buying into the direction they're going with her I think what worked so well with Terminator 1 is 
it it did that thing like it because it treats Sarah Connor like a final girl, and the the good horror movies, when they put the final girl through the ringer, like by the end you feel like they're genuinely emerging from something, like they've they've been mm-hmm. transformed. Um, I mean, I think of uh, Jane Lovey in both uh, Don't Breathe and Evil Dead. She's yeah. incredible in those. Um, and and with you know Terminator One, because it kind of treats her like that, and it it isolates her in the end. You know, Kyle dies, and it's just her trying to flee from this thing. You get the sense that like she is fundamentally changed by the end of that movie. So that in T two, when you see her again, it's 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 shocking but not surprising. It doesn't feel like how did she? It's like no, I mean after what happened, yeah. But even by the end of this, and I think part of that is she kind of feels passive for so much of the movie, even by the end, you know, like because we have a, a Terminator and a super soldier who are involved in most of the action. It just, it kind of feels like she's giving the speeches, but not doing the work. And it's, it's not even a problem of her own. It just, it feels like all of the characters surrounding her and she she has three characters surrounding her who are intent on protecting her. And they're all, more qualified, more experienced. So really, she's just she's just kind of around. Um, yeah. And then when we when we get the flashback, also an issue I had with the flashback is they didn't attempt to age her up at all in the flashback, <laughs> which is supposed to like take place in twenty forty two or whatever. Or I forget when specifically that is supposed to happen, but. But it's a good bit in the future, <laughs> and it's like you you put some dirt on your cheeks and you braided your hair. Like you're you look like you just walked off the set for a wardrobe wardrobe change. Mm-hmm. And so like even in this flashback where she's and I I thought her her speech in the flashback is a bit silly where it's like we're supposed to be seeing the depravity of man in this horrific uh, you know post-apocalyptic world and she's just like that's what they want but we've got a band together and we will not let them sign and everybody's like you know what i'm gonna follow this person like it's this is the most generic like follow me kind of speech imaginable and it i don't know during that scene i was like nah man these people are hungry thinking they're gonna die it like a, a little bitty speech about we can't let the the machine stick it to us is it mm-hmm. i don't know i guess i'm going on a tangent but all that to say like i thought she's good throughout very good throughout actually but yeah the character is just so passive so uninvolved i don't per, like i don't have any sort of perceptible evolution for her it's just she's just kind of there yeah I, I, this is where the the, the um the the so many so many characters really weakens it. I think like there's so much time. There's only so much time to devote to any one of them. But also, all of the uh, like the the more interesting drama is happening over there with Carl and with Linda, with uh with Sarah Connor, and they they kind of just forget about her for the second act. It's just like we're just kind of traveling, and Linda Hamilton's having her her drama. And then at the end, they kind of do that at the end of the climax where all the allies have been beaten into the ground and she kind of comes out and does like the de- final death blow or like half the final death blow. Carl does the other half. Uh, 
and like, oh, it's it's her. She's rising up. But like, yeah, but we already had a ten minute battle where everyone else was taking the hits for her. Um, yeah, so like, it doesn't quite register as hard as you know, uh, Sarah Connor's in the end of the first Terminator movie. Yeah, like it's it's just an uninteresting character and a performance that doesn't quite sell what's necessary. Then there's Grace. Um, I I think Mackenzie Davis is fantastic. Like she completely sells the physicality and the fear. Like everything that is, is necessary for the for the role, she's great. But I there's not really a, much of a character there. There's no real drama going on. They're, they're trying to do some things where like she views, uh, Danny as her mother. But it never really lands because we never really see it. It's just very vague references. So like, there's really no drama happening with her character. I like the the thing where she has like short bursts of strength and then she crashes. I think that's another thing like uh, uh, that adds to just the tension and danger. Like everything comes with a cost. Like I, like he, he that's something he gets really good from Cam. Uh, I think Miller gets from Cameron's uh, if yeah, Cameron's direction is that. Every every little victory comes with a little defeat and a little setback. There's a good there's a really good trade off of you know wins and loses that keeps the action engaging. And the, but I think just the character herself. I I honestly as I said I would have cut her from the movie. She's she's very good, but dramatically she doesn't bring a lot. Yeah, and and like like I really do like Davis a lot. Uh, I think she's been really great in everything I've seen her in. Uh, and here, you know, with the trailer, I saw a lot of, because the internet is going to internet, I saw a lot of people like, oh, wow, the movie wants, it's it's a girl Terminator because, of course, we couldn't just have a guy. Like, there, there was a lot of ridiculousness. And I thought it from the trailers, and then I, it confirmed it in the movie. I'm like, no, nah, Mackenzie Davis is an action star, guys. Like, she can do this. Uh, mm. She, like when she's going toe to toe with the terminators and stuff i like she she's very tall she like she looks like like you said she looks like she could like you know break my neck pretty easily uh and that the first fight scene like immediately sells her as like this physically imposing thing like she's almost doing like the winter soldier like or captain america from that movie like the kicks where you just like it's a, a quick burst with the leg and they just go flying. Like I, I love that kind of um, action choreography where you just, you feel like just the blunt force behind everything. And, and you're like, whenever we've got this great choreography and then we cut to a close up of her face and she's like, she's looking like she's ready. You know, she's got that. I'm going to kill you in her eyes. And she, I think she's great. Uh, and I think whenever, like just even in the, the quieter scenes, you know, I, I buy her paranoia. I buy her un, untrusting uh, towards towards Sarah Connor. Like, it's everything's there. It's she's doing what she needs to do. It's just, yeah. There's there's no there's no arc for the character. There's no drama. There's no evolution over. It's just I'm here to kind of I'm here to protect you. And then I finish the movie dying to protect you and. I'm mostly static. I guess I learned to work with Sarah, but that's that's not even really the movie doesn't really do much with that. Yeah, uh, and you, I can't believe we didn't mention this when we're talking about the way that this film doesn't bring anything new and talking about uh, Danny's character. This is the problem you have when you <laughs> record so much later after watching the movie. Uh, you mentioned like 
like people were reviewing this as kind of a you know, feminist SJW screel. And there is a, I think that like I, a lot of that conversation, I just don't even want like go away, leave, leave us alone. <laughs> you go, go, go to your cave and stay there. But I think there's a tad of legitimacy to it in that I feel this film really wants applause for having John Connor be a girl. Like that's like that. That's the big thing they're bringing to this series. You know, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not about, uh, you know, you're, uh, what's the, what's the line from uh, Grace? Essentially, <laughs> you're, you're, uh, you're not going to be the mother of some man who saves the future. You're going to save the future. Yeah. And like, okay. Uh, that, and, and, that's like, the, what you the got. The gender of the child wasn't even brought up, but like, it could have been a daughter as well. It, it, it definitely, it feels like it's going for that subversion of like, aha, it's really this person. And there's, on some level, there's an idea there that I like. This idea that, you know, we're, we've gone so far assuming it's this, but really it, it's like, it's, it's not your child, it's you. But I feel like you could have gone in a cool direction there with... You know, revealing like the whole time she's she could have the the Sarah Connor like what am I how am I supposed to tell him like what what am I supposed to do how am I supposed to raise him knowing what he's supposed to be, and then to be hit with a no it's you then all of a sudden you get the John Connor pressure like but you're blindsided by it it's not something that you're kind of you know weaned into, but instead it feels like that that's not the point the point isn't to to talk about the pressure that it comes with or or. The intentionally subversive nature there, it's it's mostly just to be like, haha, we cast this person. Uh, yeah, and, and I usually I feel <laughs> I feel like a jerk criticizing movie like being like, ah, oh, it's it's they just wanted applause for this. Like I I feel like people do that and a lot of the time it's born out of like just some unfounded cynicism. But to me this very much felt like a moment and where the, the studio is just kind of like you could visualize everybody in the meetings patting themselves on the back i mean like look at us we are making statements and it's like that nah, I mean, it's and it, it, okay it comes at the cost of the, i think downplaying sarah connor's character you know it's not you it's your womb and like it, it just feel like they're trying to make it some big empowering feminist moment but it comes at the cost of, of just downplaying all the stuff that Sarah Connor accomplished, you know, as a mother raising and protecting and preparing her son, just like all the incredible things she does in those movies, you know, as a mother, it, it just feels like, like that kind of thoughtless throwaway line that they're trying, they're trying to make the fist pumping feminist moment, but while also throwing Sarah Connor and, and what she was under the bus while doing it. Uh, I don't know. It just, it just feels all rather silly and shallow. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess on the, on the subject of Sarah Connor, we could move into uh, what the movie does with her. The good stuff. I think Linda Hamilton is fantastic. Uh, I think it's incredible how scary she is. <laughs> like when you deck her out in you know, like that kind of SWAT gear and give her all of those gigantic guns and rocket launchers. And so like, she is such an imposing figure. And it's incredible that she's been retired from acting for as long as she has. And she comes back and she like, doesn't skip a beat. You know, she's mm -hmm. 
very good in this. And from um, what I heard, she was very protective of the character. They're, they're talking about how she would she would like work really closely with the uh, the stunt doubles to make sure they moved exactly like Sarah Connor would move. Like she was really into it. Uh, there are moments where they kind of do the uh, like let's just beat you over the head with how much of a ba this character. Like we got we got yet another I'll be back, and then. The walking away from an explosion. I always kind of roll my eyes at this. Like, you, your characters are awesome. You don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to do that. Like, I already believe she, she's freaking. She's a beast. Um, so there, there are moments where it it feels veering more into like this kind of the the sillier action movies, which are super fun whenever they totally commit to that. But for somebody as down and depressed as she is, like whenever they do like that cool action thing, I'm like, ah, okay. But, but for herself, I think Hamilton's pretty fantastic. I love just how little she cares anymore. You know, Hey, do you have a phone? Can I see it for a second? <laughs> just chucks it out the window. Um, you know, I waited a couple States 50, actually like, just the kind of world weary person where she just, if she has to do something, she'll just do it and just trample over the person. And like, she doesn't want to bother explaining to this poor distraught woman. You know, she'll, she'll just drag her along and maybe explain later. And if not, who cares? Like there's that, that's that bitterness of the person who's lost all purpose. So she just goes around killing things. Like, I think she really sells that. <laughs> I think what's frustrating though, with her performance being as good as good as it is, is, Again, it, it feels like the character is kind of shortchanged. Like, there's interesting things there where, you know, like her having to work with the thing that killed her son, mm. her lack of purpose after, like, you know, she did everything she should do. And then just randomly her child is killed in front of her. And two films, two films worth of work is just gone. And, you know, what do I do? Uh I've been clinging to these coordinates to try to, you know, give my life some sort of direction. Yeah. Since um, then, I hunt terminators and I drink till I black out. Enough of a, enough of a resume for you. Yeah, like it's it's such a dark, depressing turn for the character, and there are interesting things you could do. But the thing is, like, because she's just clinging for direction and searching for meaning because it was all taken from her, the movie hitches all of that onto the plots of the first two. And so the meaning she finds, and, and that could have been cool, like where it's like, I mean, even it, like if you remove, I mean, Carl even, and like it's, we don't even have the benefit of like a machine on our side. If she has to try to find some way to be the caretaker for this new person, like that could have been cool. Where she's yeah. she's in this role, but but now it's just it's it's the same basic story again, and where the film puts her, which is in this kind of protector role, it doesn't feel like it's doing anything interesting with her there now. It's just well, Sarah Connor would probably protect her, so that's just what she's gonna do. But we don't really go anywhere beyond that. Yeah, like that that story of trying to rediscover purpose, I think would be pro- 
probably the best core for the film. Like the moments we have that are really good. Um, that that line after they meet Carl and she goes off into the woods, and he's like, "Yeah, I don't even have a photograph of John. I never took any. I thought they couldn't find him if they didn't know what he looked like. But now I'm forgetting his face." And oh, that was great. Linda Hamilton is so good, and it's just devastating. And just the kind of seething rage she carries around Carl, you know, it, it, like she like with um with um. Grace, like she's doing everything she needs to do to sell this character. She has so much more dramatic material than Kinsey Davis had, and it's great. But then, though, the movie has to be about uh, Danny in the end, and she and her and uh, Connor's journey is kind of left to the wayside, uh, which is kind of just what this film does. <laughs> and I think that brings us nicely to uh, Carl, uh, along with uh, L- Linda Hamilton, my favorite part of this movie. Um, so the, just the idea of we talked about in uh, the in our T two review how we talked about like what would these what would these Terminators do after they accomplish their mission and we we're like well uh well uh the first well uh the T eight hundred will probably just power down whereas the T the T one thousand would definitely become a serial killer uh, but apparently what a T eight hundred would do after it completes its mission is uh get married and sell drapes and I love it <laughs> but just I, I, I love that we like we we had old Arnie, you know, playing an old Terminator being funny in Genesis. Like, we, we just had that. It was really good there. But the way he plays it here is so different, and he looks so different that like, I didn't even think about who he, his character in Genesis at all while watching this movie, despite it just being like, he just did this. Um, I, just, I think just like he speaks volume to him as a performer, but also I just love his look at this with you know, the buzz cut and this just beautiful salt and pepper beard. And he, he looks so good. Yeah. Uh, this is, he's by far my favorite part of this movie. Uh, I think most the the things that I find most interesting are tied around his character. This idea that he's, you know, Terminators are meant to learn, you know, like they're, they learn from watching human behavior and they intake it and they they mimic us more and more and more until the, you know they can just carry these kind of conversations and i love the idea that you know he he finished his mission so he's there but he's he's still programmed to continue to like learn from humanity and you know by osmosis kind of like take in our traits and replicate our traits and so what he basically learns from us is remorse. And so there's a Terminator that killed somebody, but is still programmed to try to be a human, and in that process feels bad for what he did. And has this very robotic idea of redemption, like, okay, well, I'm going to get... This woman feel, looks very miserable. I'm going to give her missions because you know that's what gave me purpose, so it's going to give her purpose. Yeah, and it's... It's such a cool idea of like trying to whether it's it's redemption or remorse or love like just trying to filter through these human ideas through like a mechanical attempt at, at replicating them like the fact that he he says you know he he cannot learn to truly love as a human does but that makes him sad and so it's like some level of sadness over the lack of the ability to form like a legitimate love. Like it, yeah, it's a great line, you know, do you love them? Not like a human can. 
For many years, I thought that was an advantage. It isn't. And it, it was by that line that I, I knew, like, really just what I want is, is old man Terminator. Like, I want this movie to, I want the opening scene be him killing John Connor. And then the rest of the movie is just his slow collection of like, of human traits that create a person out of him and, and leads him to these emotions and these places and and this desire to still have a mission. Which might be what uh, they're doing. Like that, that was kind of they touched on that in, in uh, T two and they're kind of doing that in the Sarah Connor Chronicles that shows its whole, own whole mess, but uh <laughs> like they're kind of doing that with uh, Cameron. Like, yeah, definitely an interesting concept that's never fully explored. Yeah. And I feel like this is the closest they've gotten. And it's it's present enough to where it doesn't feel entirely half-baked. Like, this would have been a cool B-plot in a movie where the A-plot is also super great and yeah. tangentially related. But in this case, the A-plot is, is so repetitious and, for me, unengaging that, like, the most I have to, compl- uh, to cling to is a B-plot that I wish the movie was actually about. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Carl's fantastic. <laughs> and, and what I also love is is this is the most serious they've they've been with the Terminator. Like he said this, the, the line that you just read or... Uh, well, they've been pretty... Like T2 is pretty serious. Yeah, but like I, it feels like he's... The, the the relationship between he and John are some like are is pretty serious, you know, and we have the last line, like I now know why you cry. But it feels like he himself like there's he is a he is integrated in the drama and he feels to he's participating in the drama more than he has ever been in the series. Um and so it, it feels the most serious he is he's been as a character. But even with that said He's still really funny too, and the it's not it's not a kind of humor that I kind of roll my eyes at, or I think doesn't work with with the other side of the character. I think it it all really works, like so that you know Alushi is not going to be happy about this, um, or, or my like him explaining the drapes was like, and he wanted uh, plain colors. I said, please do not like this. He's incredible. Don't <laughs> These, do it. Yeah, don't do it. Uh, like at least polka dots He's or so butterflies. Funny. That's the line. Oh, you know, our relationship is not physical. She appreciated that I could change diapers efficiently without complaints. <laughs> I'm reliable and a very good listener, and I am extremely funny. Is <laughs> <laughs> is Arnie is just a freaking treasure. Like every deadpan is just adorable and hilarious. This will be very difficult to explain to Alicia. <laughs> Oh yeah, okay. That was that was the line, and like, that's why. Like, I, this is the movie that I want. Maybe I don't want that movie because I think if that ended up being the movie, they'd have to kill Alicia as well because that's just what they do in these <laughs> kinds of stories, and I wouldn't want that. I'm so glad they didn't do that. That's I'm tired of like just nice people being slaughtered in the background. Yeah, it's the worst. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I. I think he's fantastic. I think he's super interesting. Every, like the, the ideas that and, they do and, have with him are the, great. And, and I think the idea is great and paired with the with the idea of Sarah Connor losing her purpose and like them him you know get, trying to give her purpose like that that, that whole the, the, those two subplots are like interlock really interestingly 
forgotten by the end, but they're really interesting while they last. So the the last thing, <laughs> surprise, it's it's another negative. Uh, the last thing that I kind of want to talk about, and it, and we've we've definitely talked kind of about it with just talking about how repetitive the, the movie feel, feels of previous films. But so, so Genesis happened. And at the end of the day, I was just left wondering why, why would, why were we ever calling this Genesis? Why the Skynet reveal? And then they, in this it's, it's Legion and you know, they don't do the, uh, it's actually Skynet, but it's still, it just feels like, What's the point? You know, like the the point that you made, it I think, kind of, in, kind of, like it's not as egregious as Genesis because, like in Genesis, Genesis was the point. Whereas the, the, this Legion is just kind of an afterthought. We have to have a you know a faraway shady villain kind of thing. I don't find it as egregious. No, it's it's definitely not as egregious, but it just it's still just it feels like it feels like that halfway attempt. Like like whenever Cameron is telling you this, things are different. Like <laughs> the cynical side of me is thinking like he's he's thinking like we called it Legion. We didn't even call this one Skynet. And it's like I just don't get the point. And, and a point that you made in Terminator uh in the Terminator 3 episode that I actually really liked and have kind of adopted as like headcanon is this idea that that Skynet is this constant in the timeline. Like it's this this fulcrum that everything that the like all timelines eventually feed into and you know effectively it still is but in a weird way i still like whether it's cyberdyne or a military contract it's still skynet like skynet itself feels like its own it both feels like a character and doesn't because i i like the the lack of personality like this is just a machine but I think by giving it this constant name, it, it becomes this this horrifying, inhuman constant that's inescapable. Um, but it is just like, oh, it's, it's Legion. It's this different thing. The They don't really look like the infiltrators anymore. Like, it's mostly the same thing, but kind of di- it's different enough for us to call it a different name. I don't know. It just, it felt weird to just, call it something else and like slightly change the look of the terminator things and just i don't know i get i guess because of the movie it's in because of how similar everything felt and this is is also outside done they did that with salvation like they do feel like each each successive movie is kind of changing the future a little bit like that's kind of established canon you know we push it back one step that's kind of what they do yeah but again like it 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 is very ill-defined it but it sounds like petty and pedantic but i i again i I don't know maybe it is just as simple as me being like i want i regardless keep it the same i want the same name it it, 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 it's it's so essentially why has the machines happened like we thought we stopped it but we just pushed it back all of that happened but it's it's minus the dramatic john connor's dramatic arc of becoming learning to become john connor And, and i again i think because because of just all of the dialogue around the movie, which isn't unfair. Like, I, I really don't like using thing external things, interviews, statements. I don't like using external things to judge a movie by. But Unless they're really bad, so go ahead. Well, yeah. <laughs> because of how, like, 
and th this is a little bit of projecting, but also a little bit not like they were very proud to say we're erasing the other movies. You know, like this is the true. I mean, they were patting mm -hmm. themselves on the back, like this is the true sequel. This is the real trilogy. And so because of how fresh and worthy they thought they were what with the whole like it, it's it's legion i'm like it you didn't do anything new yeah, it never like, pays the, to be arrogant pre-release <laughs> yeah just just call it skynet don't pretend that you, that's, I, I i think that's part of what makes it annoying for me is it feels like a lot of pretense like like we're different see like i'd rather you just still call it skynet <laughs> be aware of what you're doing yeah yeah it's it, there's a yeah, that, that, that part really didn't bother you, but I do agree with your larger kind of complaint of like, just don't, don't be so smug. You're not that great. You're not that cool either. Um, so, yeah, I think we kind of covered most of what I uh, most of uh, what my thoughts on this film. I feel like I came across a bit more negative than I am. Like I, I stand by all the, all the things I said, but I feel like a lot of the little things that I liked and enjoyed kind of faded away you know, over this last week and a half, which probably says something about the movie. <laughs> but I, I, I do, I do enjoy the experience of watching it. I think it's a, it's a, it's a pretty tight movie and just like the, the consistent competency is striking after, you know, the last three films in the series being, I think, you know, pretty very middling in the filmmaking departments, you know, with, with each one having its own exceptions. Um, yeah, so I feel like we could start to move into our uh, final thoughts and ranking. Um, so, James, what do you give this film out of five stars and how do you rate it with the rest of the series? So I I feel like I'm starting to not, like maybe not change, well, kind of change my approach to to this and be more okay with a, a more like a more subjective ranking a more negative ranking in other words well basically just like so i give this two and a half out of five you know and and the for me it's like i didn't give it two so i'm not i'm not saying it's it's genuinely more bad than good but i also think you know in an hour and a half conversation i talked about what i didn't like way more than what i did so i feel like it'd be very disingenuous to say that I liked it more than I didn't because I could spend more time talking about my flaws with it. Um, and, and so when it came to ranking, I, I, I actually thought about this a lot longer than I thought I would after I saw the movie, just because the movie didn't make a big impression on me and I didn't anticipate like sitting on it as long as I did. Um, but I, I really think that, you know, if, if, if I'm comparing the technical aspects, like I, what you're, everything you're saying is true. Like it's it's weirdly refreshing after bad sequels to be like, oh look, that action scene was like well put together. Like there's a real amount of like this movie has pretty decent pacing. You know, like it's it's moving well. Like it it's put together with a level of proficiency that I haven't seen. The, the drama in, it attempts lands. Like it doesn't attempt a lot. Like every scene that must be dramatic, unlike <laughs> Genesis or Salvation it hits yeah well and the thing is for me like really none of the something that really hurt this movie for me though was that none of the drama around its lead lands 
Because she doesn't or, really have a lot of drama going well, yeah, on. And that's the thing. And like none of the, the you know, the, the little drama that is around Sarah mostly lands. There's really, I mean, it's the same issue with Grace where there is really no drama around her. And I'm just constantly wishing that it was a different movie because of how much I'm liking Carl. And because it is basically just this weird reset that pulls the like you know other people you know always going back to star wars people saying that you know like these especially with the last Jedi, like this actively undermines and works against everything before i think that's actually the case here like terminator one and two taking this as canon means less and less and this isn't an interesting continuation of any of those themes or ideas and and so, like, I can I can stack up a list of all of like the the technical aspects that it got right, but thematically, I just I it's so disappointing to me, and emotionally, it's really disappointing to me. And it looks fine, but I also like okay. I'll just get I'll get to my ranking. So my favorite is Terminator One. Second favorite is Terminator Two. I'm going third is Terminator Three. Fourth is Salvation, and fifth is Dark Fate. And I. I recognize that there's more competent writing in Dark Fate, but I also, I don't know, I just, I was so unmoved and uninvested in Dark Fate, and I I go back to it, Salvation just looks so cool, and it's it's such a cool aesthetic, I like being in the world, even when nothing's happening and the characters are hollow and empty, and there's like, I couldn't even try to fabricate dramatic conflict on behalf of the film it's still pretty neat and i just like that world and and so i i res- my me- my immediate response is just a, a more positive response to that film than this so five would be dark fate and then we'll we'll keep genesis in last place way back there grumpy james is here and he's taking names okay <laughs> all right so like, yeah, I, I, just, I spent a lot of time criticizing this movie, and I think th- there are definitely two ways of approaching it. One is, like, what does it do for the series? And I think what it does for the series is mostly negative. But then, like, just, like, what do I feel when I'm watching it? Because I, And I, I think that's important. Like, I, I, like you can't only – like, there's there you can't only look at what a film – you know how it affects the series. You also have to look at it as a film and what does it do? Like, is it an enjoyable watch? Because you know that stuff like that takes a lot of work and a lot of skill to do as well. And I think I don't think it should be ignored because you didn't like one of the themes. Um, so I I I, I enjoy this movie. I think I, I I enjoy it less than I did the first time. And maybe if I saw it two more times, I, I'd bring it down. Like the first time I saw it, it was at a three point five. Now it's like at like a, a between three and like two point seven five. So still more positive than negative. I, I I'll end with three stars. I think it's a, you know it's an enjoyable action film, very competent, you know, a couple decent dramatic moments if if and some excellent excellent acting all the way through if not as successful as it thinks it is. Um so as far as my ranking I do so number 1 T2 Judgment Day, number 2 The Terminator, 3 Dark Fate, 4 Rise of the Machines. Five uh, Salvation and six Genesis. And and think about it, like, you know, because of the way the the timelines branch off, and there's so many different alt universes, and uh, it kind of has given people liberty to to pick and choose their timelines and their favorite 
series. I think for most people, if you ask, really, they just say, like, I do one and two, and, and then I call it quits there in a marathon. Um, I'm curious what your answer would be. It, I For me, like, I say this is my answer, but really, if I'm going to do it, I may do a, just a marathon. Actually, that's probably not the case. I don't think I'd sit through all of them again. Um, <laughs> for me, I'm despite our many, many complaints about three, and you can listen to our episode and hear all of the criticisms I have of it. I, I go back to like that ending scene just feels really great. And I think unlike dark fate three is actively working towards one and two, like it, it does favors for those stories for me personally. And so I kind of, I'm cool to just keep that original trilogy and like if i watch them again i i probably won't just do one and two and done i whenever i rewatch these i'll probably just do a, a trilogy viewing and, and by the end of that third one i i feel pretty satisfied yeah like that, that third the the, the the a solid ending definitely you know can bring up a mediocre film and it does the it does the opposite of what this does thematically then this film damages the series i think that film that ending is incredible for the overall themes of the series, despite kind of crappy on the ending of T2. Yeah, that happens, but hey, still feels good to hurt. So I actually, I did not, I forgot to gather in all the uh, the box office and, uh, and uh, critical information, so I'm going to have to kind of make that up on the fly. Uh, so this film earned so, only $62 million domestically. And 198 million in the foreign markets for a worldwide total of 261. I saw something like a, a potential 130 million dollar loss. Yeah. Um, so this this was a absolute disaster. The budget was 185 million. So um, like which <laughs> the budget was so that's about 30 million more than Genesis cost. They were they were really going for it, but compared to Genesis box office, so G- Genesis was considered a, a bomb with 440 million. This made two hundred and sixty billion, <laughs> uh, and it cost more. So it was and that that and also the that domestic is just disastrous. <laughs> Only sixty two million, you know, for like because you make you make less money internationally. Um, so not good uh, as far as um money wise. It did much better critically. It holds a seventy percent on Rotten Tomatoes, although a fifty four on Metacritic, which is so like. People liked it, but they didn't love it. Although Metacritic is a place where I think the la- you know the TLJ Captain Marvel troll crowd got a hold of it because the user score there is at three point nine. Uh, but like the Tomato Meter, which actually verifies its audience rating, that's at eighty two percent. So like, like, like most of the rankings I find are are you know between like six and seven. That's that seems to be where the audience is. So that that the the dark fate thing just on Metacritic does not ring true to me, uh, just because it's so much lower. Like when you get audience ratings are usually always higher than the critic rating, particularly with blockbusters. So when this happens, you it's pretty much a sure sign. You know some kind of a uh, skullduggery is afoot. Yeah, as far as its legacy, um. As far as, as far as like the audience reception, I think it, it mostly got pretty well received at the time. Like critics liked it overall. I I'm forgetting. It's been a while, and I didn't do much research. I think like people liked it pretty well, but it didn't really leave a huge impact. And obviously, not not many people saw it. People were just so sick of the series. Genesis just destroyed, you know, 
after as if as if rise of the machines and salvation did destroy it enough genesis completely take the series and I, I wonder what would have happened if arnold hadn't been in genesis and cameron hadn't you know come out and done his spiel for it i wonder if this would have done better because i think like the factor of been seen as a return to form yeah like arnold's back linda hamilton's back cameron's back Whereas, like, people have been burned, like, yeah, you see, yeah, you said Cameron was back last time. We know what that means. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, I, I, you kind of wonder what would have happened. I, I still don't think, I still think people are just kind of tired of the series. Like, there's, and the fact that nothing new was brought by this chapter kind of doomed it. Yeah. Yeah, it, you know, when we talk about the, the legacy this film is going to have, I, I think it's, it's going to be remembered as the, collectively as like the best of the sequels but also that that pleasant surprise is gonna fade yeah and in, in five years when people are doing a marathon of the series and it ends on the retread i i have a feeling it's gonna the, you know people's thoughts on this movie is gonna drop over time and the thing is maybe that's why i didn't respond to it the way i did because you know a lot of people watching it again it's like terminator has been a part of you know their movie catalog for you know decades and their viewing of all of this has been so spaced out and they're they're the ones who get burned with each release and for me you know i there's there's a couple months difference between my first viewing of terminator one and dark fate you know so just as as somebody who just went start to finish through everything I didn't even get to have that pleasant surprise because it's like, listen, I just, I finished Judgment Day not that long ago. Like, you got to do more than this to get me excited again because I'm I'm getting to ride off the high of like two great movies. So yeah, I, I guess when more people find themselves in that space of like, it's now been integrated into my mind as just like one of many sequels. It's not the new thing. And yeah, like in a, in a marathon or, or even just like recalling it years from now, it's not going to be, uh, yeah, that's a good point. It's not going to be that that breath of fresh air. It's going to be like, oh yeah, that was, I get that was, that did that happen in that movie? What was that? Was that one the other one where it's just kind of the same thing? There's a new kind of John Connor character. Like it's, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to have a strong foothold. It's, it's amazing what they've done with this franchise to me where it's, you know, the, it's being made by just <laughs> with you know, it's not a nihilistic or pessimistic thing to say like isn't or, or even cynical it's you know it's just a fact of the matter these movies keep getting made because like they're like terminators an established brand and we want to make a lot of money it's just amazing how many times they keep going back to the same unfruitful well like when does the lesson sit in like people terminator isn't a guaranteed money-making brand if anything like it's been the opposite you know you're you're not you're far from guaranteed money and losing a significant amount of money is very much on the table you know so it's i think a part of that is every aside from genesis and dark fate every single film has had a different production company so once cameron left there's there's no hand guiding the series and i feel like every company has to learn this lesson the hard way Whereas if it had been just one company's IP, they could go back and look at the receipts and like they, they could see like, okay, we tried that last time. That didn't work. So we have to do something else. 
But now it's like each company is coming in all arrogant. We're going to do it. You know, we're going to we're going to save the franchise. And they're just learning the same thing over and over again. But it's just different people paying the price. And the thing like I've seen enough in like hilariously bad decision making on studios. I mean, WB comes to mind where it's it's like. I, it, it, I don't think that there's like some piece of information I'm missing. I genuinely just think it's possible for studios to just make terrible decisions and like decisions that like you could talk to somebody who, who is somewhat up to date just on the internet, like reading things, ask them like, Hey, is this a good idea? And they could with an educated answer, be like, no, they're, they're, this isn't a good answer. This isn't a good idea. And it's, it just feels so weird to me that like, we're, we're a couple of 20 year old dudes uh, on the internet and we can like just get quick box office searches on Wikipedia and, and be able to say with some level of authority, this is likely going to turn out bad. But I get time after time studios to show up and be like, well, like you're still, you know, Wikipedia is still a thing for them. I, I don't know. I, I, it's just, it's such a weird thing to me that like, there's it's just a different world they're 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 not nerds they're they don't like from what i hear like a lot of they, they don't watch movies they, they're businessmen yeah, but that's, like, that's a different it's still cra- that's what's person. crazy to me too though is even like removing the but even like removing the nerd culture removing all of that from it and just purely looking at a business like it becomes even more baffling to me like if you're out to make money and you like you can't look at the receipts you can't look at the production well i mean we're we're able. We're ha- we have some level of access to you know like a rough, you know, production cost and and a you know box office number, and so like even on just the purely analytical business end, it still feels like still it's a bad idea. It's not even like oh don't do this because you're desecrating what was once a great series. It's hey don't do this because you're not making money, businessman. I. Yeah, I, I, especially after Genesis, you know, didn't succeed, you would have think they would at least slash the budget. Maybe I, I guess they really had a lot of confidence in bringing back James Cameron, and I, that's a mistake. I don't think they'll make again. They're they're doing an animated series now. We'll see what they do with that, and like, they're gonna make another Terminator movie at some point. Like, is it is it? It's probably gonna be a different production company. Like, I don't think Ellison's gonna want to do this again. I'm betting so, if we see it again live action, I'm betting it'll be just a hard reboot. I oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a hard reboot, and it's just gonna be called Terminator. That's that's my guess. When this happens seven years yep. from now, whenever Terminator would know the just Terminator. <sighs> yeah, that's it's definitely gonna happen. And I already hate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that was our review of Terminator Dark Fate. And that is us closing out the Terminator series. We were going to do a minisode on the Sarah Connor Chronicles, <laughs> but it's terrible. <laughs> and we're just, and we're just, I'm, I'm going to finish it because I, I, I'm a completionist. I finish things, but I'm like halfway through season two and it's torture to go. And it's like honestly kind of torturous to go and watch a new episode every time. Uh, and I don't, I, I, I've, it's like season one has faded from my mind. The first half of season two is fading from my mind. It's, I have so little to say about it. It's just, it's not great. Um, it's, so we're not going to do, we're not going to do a minisode on that. It happened. You go to Wikipedia if you want to know the facts. It's so funny. Like all of that just gets a cosign because 
I uh, I'm, I am probably gonna finish it as well. Like I had to buy it on Amazon. Like I I own the series now, so I'll probably every like once every couple weeks I'll go back to an episode and be like, all right, I guess I'll get one step further. But yeah, I if you were to ask me now what what is the show about and what happened in season one and how did we get here, I'd be like, I I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. It's amazing how little time it took for this show to just start spinning its wheels. And like, I mean, episode two, we've already settled for like teenage drama and we just keep doubling down the further. Like, it's all just really laughably so, done melodrama. And, and so many weird subplots. Like each episode will have like four subplots with each character doing their own thing. And they take like one tiny step forward. It's like, I don't, you haven't even eight care steps about to the things. side. Yeah. Like a lot of like, you know, how, uh, most shows will have an episodic plot. And then, you know, the, 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 the overall plot is, you know, taking a step forward. But the, you know, this one is the episode where they do this. Like, this isn't even doing that. The like four like a lot of the episodes just have like four different subplots that are happening. And it's not even in the sense of like being serialized. It's so strange. It's it's a great relief not having to try to like because if we're gonna keep our same schedule, I was gonna have to like legit binge this show. Uh, yeah. and that was sounding awful. The only and I I was taking notes for season one. I gave up taking any sort of notes for season two. Uh with the exception, there was a scene. This is the last I'll mention of it since we're not doing an episode on it. There's a scene. The writing throughout the series is pretty bad. There's a scene where, like, it's it's so aggressively bad that I I had to stop and and, and write it down. Let me let me pull open my notes. Uh uh oh. My roommate is yelling in the side room. I hope you can't hear that. No. So in the second episode of season two, th this guy comes from the future and he's like, he immediately dies, but he, he tells them they've got to be at some place, some uh, like nuclear plant. And so we cut to them. Like it's, it's Sarah Connor and John and Derek Reese and Cameron all in the car outside this plant. Everybody knows what they know. Like we, we, Nobody needs information. And Sarah Connor just says, uh, um, this was a, this was our, oh, no, like, so-and-so said that we need to be here in two days. And then Derek just says, uh, this was a key strict, or no, and then Sarah, who, who didn't know this, Sarah, who is in, who's told this information off camera by Derek says, this plant was a key like strategic point during the war. Like Cameron and Derek were there. Who are you telling this to? And then after she says that, Cameron's like, oh, the battle of so-and-so was fought here. And it's literally just a scene of everybody in a car, like giving random facts to the audience. It's, it was like, I laughed out loud by the end of it. It was so funny to me of just people literally waiting their turns it's not even a conversation it's literally everybody in the car is waiting for that person to stop talking so they can read the next wikipedia entry about this this place it's so funny yeah it's not great all right well yeah so that was our review of 
Terminator Dark Fate and our us finishing up the Terminator series. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, I'd ask you to get a, please take a moment to go and give us a rating review on iTunes. Uh, if you want to like us on Facebook, we're there as Franchise Fatigue Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram as at Franchised Pod. And you can find all our other episodes at FranchiseFatiguePodcast.com. And James, where can people go find you while raving about the, just, the uh, Justice League? Oh, okay. So you can follow me over on Letterboxd. I am there as JL Hamry. It's J-L-H-A-M-R-I. Uh, and you can also find the both of us over on uh, the Outer Rim a Star Wars group on Facebook. We were both admins along with some other friends over there. Um, so if you're hyped for more Star Wars content... Uh, feel free to join us. But yes, uh, there is going to be some raving about the Snyder Cut sure to come. I'm also on Letterboxd and there's Gabriel Green. You can follow me on Instagram as Gabe the Great Green. And I have a YouTube channel called Green Rail One where I make trailer mashups and uh, movie-based music videos. So next episode, we're going to catch up on Star Wars with The Mandalorian Season 2. We're going to do two episodes on Season 2. We're going to split it in half. And then we're going to do WandaVision. I said it'll be off to Harry Potter, but by then I feel like Falcon the Winter Soldier might be out. So maybe we'll do that in between. If not, after after uh, Star Wars and Marvel, we'll be back to uh, Harry Potter. Dude, I've I've started uh, listening to the series again. Once you finish the books, like, okay, I want to... Since we're going to do the podcast, I want to listen to the series. I'm already... I'm already through the first two books. I'm in Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, I just randomly watched Chamber of Secrets, which is a great movie, and I'm going to talk. I'm going to defend that movie a lot. Uh, I'm just really pumped into the Harry Potter mood, so can't wait to get the. <laughs> it was this stupid TV, you know, Marvel and Star Wars out of the way, so we can talk about some real cinema. There you go. Yeah, I'm very excited for it. As soon as I finished the series, I binged all the movies, and then it just. Getting to the movies, I, I got to have that moment that all of the book fans have where they watch a movie based on a book they love. And they're like, they cut out so-and-so and only this. And I'm like, Where's, where is Spew? These people don't even <laughs> really get to know uh, Tonks. Like, what, what's going on? Like, I love the movies, but it really made me like, ah, I, I had such a great time doing this little side adventure. <laughs> so it kind of put me in the mood to go back through. So you gave me the audiobooks. I may... Uh, I may be revisiting those through the audiobooks pretty soon, actually. All right. So uh, until next week, we will see you uh, in a galaxy far, far away. There's much more to it than just picking the right color, the texture, and the weight of the material. One wrong choice, and it can destroy the look of the entire room. Mm-hmm.